0: So many of us start our business with an idea or a passion that may involve, you know, randomly sort of getting started and not thinking really about what is it we're building. Our next guest thought so intentionally about the brand that she's building, all the way down to what does her shop smell like? What is the experience? When do I remove products? How do I introduce launches? How do I tag my store onto my website so they're coexist but also interactive? Brand is such an important play. You're really gonna find it fascinating to hear the level of detail that Laura White of Arch has put into her store. I think that we can all learn a lot from branding and the real telltale is what do you do with that brand that elevates the entire experience. So Laura, I um, felt like I was going back in time in a great way when I first met you because I um, grew up in family business and in retail and in retail very similar to yours in that it was very something you never saw anywhere, very diverse, um, nothing cookie cutter about it. So give me the story of Arch and how you got it so fabulous as you have Hmm. it today. Well, as many things
1: are, you know, there's little seeds that lead up to everything, but, um, we opened our store two years ago. Um, but that doesn't really mean anything because I've always been playing around with stores for probably 20 years. I've had eight pop-ups in, I'm sorry, five pop-ups within eight years. And that was kind of my business model for so long. And then COVID happened and that changed everything. Like it changed so many other things, but, um. Basically, what happened was I had a pop-up in the space that that is uh, arch right now. And I um, asked the landlord, I said, I want to have first right of refusal just in case. And this was right when stores were opening up, but we were still wearing masks. So COVID was still happening. And I think everybody thought I was crazy. Basically, within the first week, three people wanted my space. So that night I went home and my husband said, well, you know, you got to open up a store. You've always wanted it. You got to do it. And I said, no, I, I don't think I want to do it. I'm scared. And, you know, he basically was like, no, it's this is the time. So we opened up the store, and it's been fast and furious ever since.
0: How uh, did you know to have pop-ups when pop-ups weren't really a thing eight years ago?
1: They were, well, I had heard, first heard about that they were happening in New York City, and that a friend of mine, it was her idea, and she said, let's open up a pop-up, and this was... Um, yeah, it was definitely eight years ago or more. And uh, how did I hear about it? I don't know, I love shop. I you know, started my business when my first daughter was born, um, and at that point I was making handbags. That was during the Kate Spade era, okay. which I don't know, you're younger than I am, so you, I don't know if you ever had a Kate Spade bag, but it was like the big, the bag. So I designed handbags through a manufacturer in New York, and each handbag, what made it unique was they had vintage buttons on them and the the buttons I turned into pins so you could take them off and put different ones on them. And that evolved into vintage jewelry and then that evolved into vintage furniture and then I started doing the Antiques and Modernism show here in Winneka and I did the Botanical Garden show at the, um, which was the Antique and Garden show. Sure. and so. In between that, I would have like little s- people over to my house and little stores here and there. And then that was really like the beginning of the pop-ups. And then I just got the bug and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta keep going. Okay.
0: So there's lots of parts of business. And I think even in my own companies, there's parts I do and parts I like and parts I don't even touch. What part of this entrepreneurial part is you? I hear a lot of creative. Yeah. How are you on the numbers?
1: Oh, numbers are not my thing <laughs> <laughs> at all. I, if I could just, have hired um, somebody recently in the last year who is like, she last people say, well, what are you doing for her? And she's like, I do everything Laura doesn't want to do. Um, but I've learned a lot. As I've done it, you know, numbers do matter. And, um, and, you know, I do check my reports every single day. So I say I don't like numbers, but when they're, when they're good, I love them. Um... But I am definitely more of a creative person. Uh, my husband just recently came on board, and he's not exactly a numbers guy either. We're both creatives. He left advertising. so um, But we've got people to help us with those deficits, You know, knowing what your weakness is yeah. and um, knowing what your strengths are. I think that's like part of the journey as well.
0: 100%. I think yeah. it's smart to rely on people as long as you try to trust but verify so yeah I've had a lot of friends under the guise of well I've got a guy yeah and they give the guy too much rope and um, still don't know the numbers so I always think when you're investing because I'm guessing the investment for you is the space and the inventory
1: correct Okay. yeah
0: um, and we have
1: our own line so we're and we're re- um, releasing two new products this fall so the investing is in the manufacturing of that product as well
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think just thinking about how do do you or the the CFO, how do you gauge um, success like liking the numbers um, I remember early on in my business career um, just thinking everything looked great but then those bills from China which is where I was buying inventory and you know containers were 200 to a million dollars of inventory yeah. coming and I'm like but wait why don't I have money it says here I'm making money right you know right like where's yeah. the money to pay the- yes <laughs> so, yes cash um, flow is a big big yeah, cash issue flow. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. so how would you grow in the model you're in a Enough to where you could kind of invest in all the products that you wanted to create
1: honestly right now it's about timing and pacing like not there's you know there's always something more like we talked about that earlier there's always this that's the creativity part but timing it and releasing it on a in a, in a timely manner when you were I mean you know we are growing and it is going quickly so I, we're working on that as far as um, making projections that's one of the jobs of this new woman that we hired is helping us with, but it's really about not releasing too much and maybe growing too much too fast. I know that's a buzzword I hear a lot, but a lot of it's intuition, which you might be like, what intuition? But that's like really pretty powerful for us. No, I, I, I
0: I think listening to your gut, I mean, some people have it very tuned up and if you have it tuned up, it's good. Talk to me about this idea, which I like what you do, but I'm just sitting here thinking about how does the internet Mess you up on this is if you release vendors and at some point you said you pull them back yeah. because you aren't wanting to overexpose that vendor. Yes. Do you then create something where you've developed a, a customer for that vendor, mm-hmm. and now they're hooked on that product, and they're just going to go get it on the internet? That's
1: exactly right. And that's why that's why we've developed this business model. That's something we're acutely aware of. I mean, that happened with a line that we're, we carry from Paris. And people would come in and say, oh, I, I bought this online. And I was like, wait a minute. I know everybody wants to support local businesses, but to an extent, right? They want it faster you know, I'm very aware of how, how that works. So our business model at this point, we are 70% vintage. So we really want to draw people in to the store because they know that there's something they cannot get anywhere else. Okay. Our tagline is undeniably unique. And we really hold that to the whole um, idea of we find new vendors and it's always our intention. We're going to carry them for temporary amount of time hopefully we find them before anybody else has that's a big thing that we look for and then we're like sorry you know you can get it online and we want you to keep coming back because what's next what what do you have that I haven't discovered yet and we I'd love to be considered a brand that um, people come to to find out what is the next hottest thing that I haven't discovered yet and and on top of that we really are, all about stories. We call ourselves the little shop of stories and there are so many stories to tell and that's what we love to do and that's what's interesting and it's engaging. So um, you can't keep telling the same story every time. Our store is small but mighty and it can be that because things rotate all the time.
0: I think um, from an in-shop perspective, you've got it swayed and I think that however you get people back, which I think maybe is your fresh flowers on Fridays and some Mm -hmm. of the different events you do, your book signings. Um, I'm just wondering, a big thing in business that I've always been taught is that the reoccurring revenue is powerful so you can keep growing. So you can rely on these three things to keep going, whether it's you, your husband, or an employee doing it, they're going to buy. And then you can be working on the new. And it's almost like Thinking about how could you at least put those vendors that you d- developed you develop the customer base you have a loyal customer base how could you put those online um, maybe you don't carry the inventory and say hey come on in you yeah. get 10% off because I don't know the cost of all business for all of us is acquiring a customer right growing and maintaining a customer is not very expensive right I just don't like that you're giving up the customer back to the brand after you did all the heavy lifting
1: yeah but I think that's what's unique about what we're doing is how we're defining our customer we want our customer to come back to us because we have something undeniably unique and um, I mean I think you have to be moving at the pace of yeah. like how things are rolling right and so um, I think that's really I, you know, there there are some basics that we will always carry, yeah. for sure, um, but I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for what's what's new, and and that's what the vintage affords really is. Yeah. You can't get this anywhere else.
0: And no, it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's not an easy business, what you're talking no, about. No, it's no, it's not. It, you're basically doing events in a shop, Yes. and I think events business is the hardest business we could ever put our hands yeah, on. Yeah, probably. And it seems like your passion. Totally, yeah. Why can you find so really? If the old school way of doing it, my parents went to Europe, where the brands were, and they went around Italy and they meet vendors, and that guy would go go talk to this guy, and you know ended up bringing some big brands we know today to us for the first time. Mm-hmm. But like now, you could just go through your Instagram and figure out that which is crazy. Yeah. So how can you source things that people haven't heard of? Like what makes you so good at that?
1: Yeah. Um, hard work, but um, you know I I've trained my eye. I. Don't like anything basic I like things that are you you just know it when you see it and that this is the vintage world you know we we haven't talked about like our line of products at all but in the vintage world um, it is that sourcing element that is key and it's I've been doing for a really long time so it's about relationships and um, constantly trying to think about how to get in there a little sooner before somebody else gets it you gotta you gotta people have to like you and they want to have to work with you And, um, and that's not hard. I love people absolutely love stories and talking with people about their stories. And, and again, it's the vintage, so it's the story and the history of a piece. So sourcing it's fun. It's, you know,
0: so let me ask you this. So like, I know that. Let's just take lipstick, not that that's one of your private labels, but mm-hmm. um, Chanel lipstick, and if I came out with a lipstick, the Lady Boss lipstick would mm-hmm. be made by the same people, more yep. or less, right. packaged by the same people, and right. it would cost $5. Now, Chanel's going to sell it for 48 and mm-hmm. I'm going to sell it for 10 mm-hmm. Why did you believe that people would trust the Arch brand enough to private label things? Mm.
1: That's a good good question. Um, You know, I guess well right now I'm pretty central centrally or locally located and I've been I live in the community So people know me and I believe that they trust me, but I'm gonna say the power of packaging is really Huge I my dad was a graphic designer a package designer. So I grew up like you With your background of your dad being an entrepreneur your parents being entrepreneurs. I mean we sat around the table and talked about ideas and uh, what this should look like. I need a name for this. Let's talk about names for things. And and that was very much what my husband did yeah. um, in, over the last 30 years. So um, packaging, you know, you can convey trust through packaging. You convey a feeling through packaging. And um, our store has a feeling. There's, there's an emotion there. And I don't think it has anything to do with me. I, I don't know what it is. But it's just a good... Th-
0: no, I think you hit it. I mean, so look, if we we didn't know a thing about Chanel, we'd say, that why do they get 48 bucks? Yeah. They have good packaging. I grew yeah. up in the packaging business. My first career was all packaging. And okay. I and I think when I saw your products and I was like, wow, they look super high end. I don't know what's inside. It could be junk.
1: Right. They, but it's not.
0: No, I know it's not. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is yeah. I, the first impression was really yeah. strong. So automatically, you would have expected to pay more. And I think yes. that... Um, that's that's a good it's marketing yeah right? so you come from a marketing background graphic design background your husband's background I think right. yes um, yeah so for sure. your competency there is marketing and what you're leaning on I yeah think that's really I was
1: fed on that. that's
0: kind of what I wanted to hear because I think a lot of people do private label to make more profits uh-huh and I'm guessing that private label is a more profitable venture for you, but not Uber because of the packaging. Is that true? Yeah,
1: I was gonna say I still believe in spending more money on the packaging. Not just that it looks expensive, but I believe you actually have to spend the money on that. Yeah. Um, it's important how the paper feels. The um. You can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Laura, we talk, always want to talk about scaling because mm-hmm. I think um, you're, you're very growth-focused. What does uh, what the next couple years of growth look like, and when do you know you've hit your success goals?
1: Hmm. Well, I think we've hit the first success goal because we are already looking to open up um, a bigger space because there's a lot more offerings that we're um, getting in the queue to offer. Still in Monica? yes oh nice it's not not a done deal but um we would love to have a couple of stores Uh, for us it's really we're not shopkeepers we're really truly trying to build the brand of arch and what does arch represent and i think if you pay a lot of attention to and i do pay attention to this what's the common psyche what's going on in our world like i'm fascinated by that Mm -hmm. like what do we need how do we feel and um, that was the thing I thought about when we first opened up the store. I said, cause it was COVID as I mentioned before, or we were just coming out and I connected so much with people through masks and people were telling me, I don't feel good. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to, do, where to go. And I thought, I want this to be a place where people feel better when they walk in. And so that's why we have flowers. That's why we have plants. That's why things smell good there's high ceilings and natural light, like all those things make a difference. Mm-hmm. There's good music, um, it's that experience. So, so more that was my question. More stores, what do I want to do? Yes, more stores in really unique places. I, I also like to pay attention to like, where are people going? Okay, but not everyone's, everyone's going there, so where's the next place that someone's going that we haven't discovered yet? That, that fascinates me. Um, so i think there's i think that this is a golden age of retail i think it's um it's yes it's extremely challenging but people are responding to that little brand and that little feeling that they have when they use something from a store when they step into a store or when they go onto a website that feels a little bit different and they feel like they're getting something special so in that same way we are looking for that what what is that next town or Vibe, And I think there's a lot of, I see a lot of people, a lot of brands popping up in bigger stores, um, which I think is really kind of interesting, at least maybe having a pop-up, especially with the vintage in a place um, coast to coast.
0: And uh, it's exciting really um, exciting no yeah. and I mean creativity never goes out of style so no can't wowing, stop allowing your customers so how'd you lure your husband into the business
1: he's always been kind of uh, it's been in the plan for a long time actually um, you know he is a, was a creative director in advertising and that was made a lot of sense to me to him like you know let's use your skills here your marketing skills your contacts your development um, but he always loved going to flea markets. Like when we were first married, we'd go to flea markets. And he loves the thrill of the hunt just as much as I do. So that wasn't hard. Um, his mom is actually somebody who was a role model for me. Very early on, She, after I had my first baby, three months in, she said, Laura, whatever you do, you have to do something else or else you'll go nuts. <laughs> and I took it to heart. And she was the one that would take... Rob, my husband and I, to the Antiques and Modernism show when we were really young. And she said, look at this. She taught us about quality and, you know, just really unique things. And um, so it, it was natural. And his, his father was an entrepreneur, so it was, it's, it was not hard. It was, it was hard to keep him at work. Okay. Actually, okay,
0: yeah, no, I think it makes sense. I, I yeah. um, and you know, like I told you, my parents' business, which was custom clothing, was at a different generation. I mean, really, but he took it from Providence to Chicago. He dressed every CEO in New York that wanted a certain look that couldn't just get it off the rack, and you know, he oh, made well. made to measure clothes, and it looked hard from my observation. It was a six and a half day a week, yeah. always re, you know, starting over the sale, maybe with you it wasn't you know what you're wearing today it was the next thing but it's hard and it's a an entrepreneur hard though I mean I think that well it is I think for me it it's less hard the bigger you get really
1: that's encouraging I like hearing that yeah
0: I think not enough people realize that they we all get fear about things Mm -hmm. but the bigger you get and I don't mean over expanding I love that you're thinking about like the timing of expansion but you can handle something a lot bigger than you really know until Mm. you're asked to do it you don't know it Mm -hmm. and just the numbers the math just gets a lot easier so the the basic worries of a smaller business aren't there Uh the worries are more around people Uh and inventory maybe um or production but i think all those things are pretty block and tackling Mm -hmm. um so yeah i found that playing um Upstream has always been um, you know, easier hmm. than playing downstream where every customer matters, where every sale matters. Yeah, I see. Because you're, you're not coming from scarcity, you're just coming right. from like there if it's not this, it'll right. be next, and you can really kind of churn the wheel faster uh-huh. and go faster, which I also like. And I think is you know, you said it. In the world we live in, um, Amazon has made it so that they, you know, we all expect delivery same, right. same or yeah. next day. Next day wasn't good enough, so we went to same day. <laughs> What? Um, And you know, I make custom products and people think it should be there. And so I just said, okay, we're going to start making them in a week or a week or two. Mm. And nobody's talking about the price. They realize, oh, I can get a custom product fast, which Mm -hmm. is what the requirement Mm -hmm. is. So I think your business just fascinates me. It's so close to um, what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And yet every single thing in the world has changed and you seem to be making it thrive. How much of your business is online versus um, in the shop?
1: Great question. So we're launching. um, We have a website. It's not great. It's not slick. It's the navigation has been, you know, it's been just kind of cookie cutter. And so uh, Monday we had a photo shoot and we are um, hoping to launch our new website with better navigation and more products and more. um, That's really kind of this key. I think our goal is to be a two pronged fork where the website brings people into the store. The store leads people to the website, and um, I really think that's kind of an engine that can churn um, so much better. So, right now, um, around the holidays, our website gets you know is much busier. But right now, it's probably ten percent of our business. Okay. So we want to you know grow that for sure, and I think there's a lot of room for that. Um, I was going to ask you when you were talking earlier, since you have so much experience. Are there any indicators in your mind where you, how do you know when to expand? How do you? Is there, or do you just do it? You know, are there are there like little flags? Hey, you know what? I really think it's time.
0: Well, I mean, I think um, if you if you feel outside forces, it's too late. You uh-huh. know, if you feel, you know, as an example, you're in Hubbard Woods. At once upon a time, Hubbard Woods had empty stores all right. over there. Well, if you looked around and said, "I'm not next to anybody," it's too late. Yeah, right? it's so sure from a you know. I don't, I call it not stock picking, but like if you start seeing trends, then you need to think, well, why would they get better? Or why would they change? If mm-hmm. one guy across the street goes out and the next guy goes out, you go, something's changing here. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to relocate. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the website. If you start seeing, you know, okay, Christmas is good. Well, okay, great. What are we doing Christmas and why couldn't it be great during the rest of the year? Right. What buttons did we hit during Christmas? Cause it's not organic traffic probably, mm-hmm. you know, we all have to, you know, paid ads and do things on our social to get, you know, activity. Or did I not put enough new things on? Did I not hit right. the you gotta, you website gotta. with the you know newsletter? So I like like looking at the numbers in the sense of what are they telling me really? Mm-hmm. And I think the good financial people are very have a creative mind, not creative accounting. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the numbers and see the trends and then ask you the questions. Mm-hmm. Why does this line look better? Why has vintage gone down? Why right. is the website yeah. picking up? I mean, if you had crazy huge growth and it was unexplained would it be good
1: well you have to be able to explain you know you have to be able to plan for it and know
0: for it and know what button you push right so it's no different than you know social media and if you got a whole gaggle of new followers but you didn't know why Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that wouldn't resonate with me as hard as hey we hit this this and this strategy Mm -hmm. we know that this one worked and this was the result. Right, 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 right. So I think just trying to tie actions to results Uh is a powerful Mm. thing that you can do. So you go, oh, that worked, let me put the pedal down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right, where can people find you?
1: You mean our address or Instagram? Uh, I would would say Instagram and I was going to tell you actually Instagram actually sells probably more than our website right now. We sell so much directly through Instagram all over the country. It's really such an amazing marketplace. Um, So you can find us at Arch by Laura White. You can find us on our website, but don't look at it until the end of this month because it's going to be so much better, um, which is archglow.com. And then you can find us in Hubbard Woods at 913
0: uh, Green Bay Road. That's awesome. Thank you up.